Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Happy New Year, everybody. Did you miss me over the last two weeks? I took some Mondays off, but I am raring to go as we have this first January of 2019. Amazing, isn't it? Well, I want to tell you that I am very excited, and I know I probably say that every week, because frankly, I'm always excited about my guests, but I am particularly excited about my guest today, who is Madison Taylor. And just, just so that you know, Madison is very accomplished, all right? She's an award-winning and best-selling author of Daily Ohm, which is in, and the first book was, was The Inspirational Thoughts for a Happy healthy and fulfilling day, and daily ohm, learning to live. And in 2018, last year, she published her latest book called Unmedicated, The Four Pillars of Natural Wellness. And she also publishes her daily ohm, providing inspiration through her website and social media, which I get every day. And some of these um, inspirations I keep, I post and keep. And I just want to welcome you to the show today, Madison. I'm so happy you're joining me. Thank you, Marsha. I'm really excited to be with you today. Yeah, really, I, I was, as I was printing out our, um, our conversations that we're going to be talking about today, I came across something that I printed out um, that was called Being Alone. You wrote it on March the 4th of 2017. I still have it in front of me right now as we speak because I am alone. Now, I suppose that, you know, that means different things to different people. But I just want you to know that I sincerely do follow you. And um, it's, a, it's a privilege to have you join me today, truly. And you Thank and your, you. your Santa Barbara, you're in your rainy Santa Barbara and me in my rainy Los Angeles. I guess it beats having snow. Um, so let's just start out. I think it would be really helpful for people that don't know anything about you to just share a little bit or a lot of bit, frankly, about your background with, with our listeners. Maybe, you know, I, I mentioned that you're in Santa Barbara, but I'd, I'd just like to hear your backstory. What would, what would you like us to know about you? Well, you know, I'm pretty much like everyone else. I'm a person, I'm now living my dream of helping millions of people each day through my work, Um, but that's using my lifetime of experience, all of my tragedies, all of my dramas, my misfortunes, Mm -hmm. all of my life lessons um, is put into my work for the sole purpose of helping others create a better life for themselves. I consider myself a pretty regular person. I'm very quiet. I'm very introverted, uh, super sensitive. Uh, I love my alone time. You were just talking about alone. Um, I love mm-hmm. alone time. I love nature. Uh, but my greatest joy is really helping others and 
I've dedicated my life to that. And and you're I believe you're married, is that right? I am for 28 years, and I have a wow. nine-year-old son, which makes no mm-hmm. sense, but I started late with that. <laughs> oh, I don't, the universe thinks it makes sense. He came when he was supposed to. But That's you're right. right. Uh, you, know, you know, a nine-year-old little active boy, I'm, I'm sure. I, and probably today was his first day, day back to school, right? Yes, and the parents across America are saying, oh, thank God, they're back in school, right? <laughs> It's it's so funny. It, it's so funny. I was we have a little market here in my community that I just love. My little Vons Market, and I went in yesterday to just pick up a couple of things. And there's all these women, majority women that I'm about to describe, with cereal and bread and milk yeah. and lunch meat. And I'm thinking, I'm looking around and I'm looking at these women. And I went, Oh yeah, lunches. Your, right. your reality begins tomorrow because now the break is over. You know, it just kind of cracked me up. It's just, it's kind of funny. But um, we're going to be talking about a couple of really significant subjects. And and we may not necessarily be in order, but since I mentioned that you have just published a book, Madison, and I'm going to spell your name for people because maybe if I hear it out loud, I won't keep spelling it wrong. So Madison's <laughs> name is spelled M-A-D-I-S-Y-N. And Taylor is T-A-Y-L-O-R. So we'll be talking about that because I definitely want to direct people to your websites and the, and the different medias that you have for people to subscribe to you and, and be a part of the world that you're in where you said, as you said, affect millions of people. But we're going to just start off about your latest book, which is called Unmedicated. And there's a reason why you wrote that book. And it it kind of goes back to what you mentioned just a little while ago. And I thought maybe you could take us through that, that journey that yeah. That started when you were a child. I, I would like you to, mm. if you're if you're comfortable, I'd like you to share that story. Oh, I'll share anything because I feel like the more I share, the more it helps people. So I'm an open book. Um, so mm-hmm. I was born in Seattle and raised by two parents that were really checked out. Um, my father, I'm pretty sure, was mentally ill. I'm um, armchair psychiatrist. I would say he was bipolar and probably psychotic. He also drank too much, and he was a rageaholic. And I had a mother who, uh, well, you know, in the 60s and 70s, she didn't have a lot of resources, and so she wasn't helpful, and she just kind of tried to hold the family together and allowed things to happen, Um, you know, checked out, really. So um, uh, by the time I was... About age nine, the age my son is now, I had my first panic attack, and that's quite early. And I remember it vividly as if it happened yesterday, just bolting upright out of bed, um, not being able to breathe, thinking I was going to die, quite frightening. And, you know, I really had no one to talk to about that. And, um, you know, my father made me, with all of his raging, he made me feel... Um, stupid and small and I really learned at a young age to play it small and to stay quiet uh, because if I used my voice or had an opinion I really risked 
you know, him raging at me, and which was very unpleasant. And I built a little kind of safety room within my room. I built a little haven in my closet, and when so he would go screaming, I would retreat to my closet and close the door, and I had a little light in there and a little poster and my little typewriter because there was no computers then. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, so I really learned some coping skills at an early age, but, you know, none of that was helpful to me. Those were not good skills to learn. Um, so it continued to get worse really through high school. And in high school, what happens, you know, is your hormones start to kick in, so everything just kind of gets exacerbated. And so I started smoking and and drinking a lot and um, experimenting with light drugs and, of course, experimenting a lot with boys because, Mm -hmm. you know, my father didn't love me. He never told me he loved me, so I thought sex meant love, and so that took care of that. Um, I was terribly shy, I would sweat down to my waist every day because I was anxiety-ridden. I was so full of anxiety because I was in this huge school where I didn't know anybody. And, you know, I came from this household where I was just in survival mode all the time. And then I'd go to school and be in survival mode. So my MO was to get to age 18 and just, you know, I kept that in my head at all times. Just get to 18, graduate, then you're out of here and everything will be okay. But, you know, in truth, everything isn't okay because I had not dealt with anything. Uh, And so when I was out on my own, I started um, using heavier drugs like cocaine and sleeping with more Mm -hmm. boys and, um, you know, drunk every day. And, you know, it was a mess, but I, I was such a survivor and had such great coping mechanisms that I was able to function and nobody thought there was anything wrong with me. Um, But it really sort of came to a crashing halt when I became very sick when I was about, let's see, about 24, I think, or around there. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, could no longer really function at all at that point. And that was really um, the demarcation of the start of my healing journey, although I didn't know it was that. Wow, that's I'm li- I'm listening to your story, and others are listening as well. And I'm thinking, my life couldn't have been more different mm. than yours. And you you know you when you live in that sort of leave it to Beaver household, you know the mm. mom's home, the dad goes to mm. work, you've got your brother, you know you do Girl Scouts. You know I wasn't a student, so I wasn't crazy about. Studies. I was a talker way back then. I, I much rather be in a conversation than in a book. And uh, but I didn't even know that people had those scary kinds of experiences that you've just described. And my guess mm-hmm. is that the people that that thought they knew you well, maybe they didn't even know that you were suffering to this degree. Is no. that right? They didn't know that at all. Um, and what you just said, I felt the opposite. I assumed that everyone was miserable and scared to death of their parents, and this is mm-hmm. what everyone's life was like. I had no idea until, because I wasn't really allowed to have people over to the house because my dad was very controlling. No one ever came to the house. So, wow. And I wasn't really allowed to go to other places so much either. But um, I started realizing in high school that, oh, 
there's families that talk to each other and are civil and they laugh together and they do things together and they're happy. And it was completely shocking to me. So I had the opposite experience of you. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. And I think that, that as we go through our conversation, um, um, one of the questions that, uh, that I noticed, because you're, first of all, the cover of your book, Unmedicated is Beautiful. I oh, I would imagine that there's it it really is um for those of you that that haven't seen it uh it has it's it's it has a beautiful butterfly beneath the term unmedicated and I'm sure that the the the, the U of unmedicated uncapitalized also has a significance but what was what was the what was the force behind the butterfly of that of the cover of your book is there some significance to the butterfly well, I'm glad you brought up the cover because I actually designed it. I design all my own covers. I never like what publishers Beautiful. give to me, so I designed it myself. <laughs> and it's blue for a reason. Blue is um, my healing color. It's actually mm-hmm. Mother Mary's healing color. I'm not religious. but um, And so unmedicated, uncapitalized with a period. It's like unmedicated, period, you know, drop the mic, right, or mic drop. Right. And so the butterfly really just represents, you know, the struggle of, Um, the caterpillar coming out of the cocoon and allowing if you pull apart a cocoon and um, have the caterpillar help it out it actually won't be able to survive right it needs the strength like the baby coming out of the womb it needs the pushing to develop the strength um, so the wings can open and it can fly off if you cut open the chrysalis um, Mm -hmm. to help the butterfly he won't survive. And so there's um, sort of that intention of um, I took control of my life. I'm a survivor, and it, it represents all of that. It's, it's, well, it's beautiful. I, that doesn't surprise me. Um, actually, while we really don't know each other, I feel like I've come to know you through your writing, and I think that's a beautiful metaphor. I really also like you know, the unmedicated period, like period. I like Mm -hmm. what you have below that, which is the four pillars of natural wellness and to clear your mind, to nurture your spirit, to strengthen your body and to find your tribe. That says a lot. If somebody was to just see the cover of your book, I think they would be very compelled to open it. And let's take just a little bit of time to talk about just a couple of your pillars. We don't mm-hmm. have to go through the entire book because I want to talk about daily om as well. Yes. But when we talk about that very first pillar, to clear your mind, mm-hmm. I can just tell you right now, Madison, that is something that I struggle with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. The, to close off the chatter to it's like kind of like you know you used to see in commercial or cartoons where the uh, angels on one shoulder and the devils on the other shoulder and they're both <laughs> yapping at you. I that's my visualization. It's like oh for God's sake stop, be quiet. So I do I, really. I mean, so yes. I, I relate to so much about what you talk about. So give me some suggestions on how you go about clearing your mind. Yeah, well, um, so don't feel bad. You're not alone. And 
you know, it's called a practice for a reason, and the first yeah. item in, under a clear mind is meditation. And, you know, it's called a practice for a reason. But um, I have a busy, busy brain. You know, I'm a businesswoman. I have a lot going on, a husband, a business, a writing career, touring, a child, you know, a horse, a cat, a household. And so I've got a lot going on in my brain. And so it's a lot to ask me to clear my mind. And when I say clear your mind, I'm not saying um, to erase anything or to forget anything, but it's to take the time. And, you know, for me, it was not easy in the beginning. And I really, really struggled with it. And I think people need to know that. It takes practice. And I've been doing this for 20 years, and there's still some days when it's, and it's hard, um, mm-hmm. but I still sit and do it. And maybe I just sit for five minutes instead of 20 minutes, but, you know, just taking the time and the action step of, of doing it is what's important. And, um, you know, people that teach meditation, they'll say, you know, imagine all your thoughts drifting away on a cloud. I'm sure everyone's heard that. But for me, the cloud would turn into, you know, a fluffy bunny, and then off I'd be on a tangent thinking about something else. So, you know, that didn't work for me. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. You know, what, and, I, and, and I, I wanted to mention this to you because, you know, I have a sense of what I want to talk with you about, and then, and then it's just a free-for-all of a conversation. And as I was looking and typing, like the mis- Type, typing of your name once before, I suddenly looked at these two words. One is meditate. One mm-hmm. is medicate. The mm-hmm. T and the C. What a difference those two words mean. Yeah. To be medicated and to meditate. Yeah. And I, I, that's what I, I'm sure that, that I'm not the first one that's come up with that thought process. But it was an aha moment for me when I recognized the similarity of those two words with the difference yeah. of one letter in between. It was, it was really like, whoa. So right, you and life is like that. Yes, words matter. Um, when, you, when you talk about meditation, and I happen to have a really, really good friend that is definitely into meditation, um, I don't think everybody really even knows what it means or the benefits. So perhaps for those of us that are a little bit uneducated about meditation, could you just tell us a little bit about what it means and and how you go about doing it? Yes. So um, I always tell people I would never leave the house without brushing my teeth, and I feel the same way about meditation. And what it does is... It allows you to stay in the present moment. It actually creates space for you in your day. The days that I'm the busiest and I have back-to-back meetings and, um, you know, a full schedule, that's the day I really make sure that I don't miss meditation because it helps me become more clear and then the rest of the day becomes smooth sailing because I've started off with sort of cleansing my palate, if you will, first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, some people meditate in the middle of the day or the end of the day. It doesn't really matter, but I prefer the front of the day. Um, you know, when I was so chronically sick, which brought me on my healing path, um, I started off 
just listening to meditation music, not even guided meditation, just meditation music. And I would sit and, you know, those CDs are like, what, 40 minutes. So I would sit every day for 40 minutes and listen to the music. And that was hard for me because I was so sick and broken. I couldn't even sit up. I had to lie down. And then I graduated to guided meditation. Uh, And now I can meditate silently. And so there's lots of different ways. And they're really, um, you know, there's a lid for every pot when it comes to meditation. And I just ask people to do it. I love that. Yeah. I just ask people to do it. There's a lid for every pot. Yeah. That's brilliant. I've yeah. never heard anybody say that before, but you're right. What yeah. a what a picture you just drew. I'm sorry <laughs> to interrupt, but I've never heard no, anybody you're not. say that. I really love that. Yeah, because wow. I don't like people to not do it because when we say meditation, it scares people. They think you have to sit in this weird pretzel position and wear robes and go to India and chant. I'm not that person at all. I like high heels and dresses, and I don't want to sit on the floor and – I can't sit in lotus position, um, and so I sit on a sofa with my feet on the ground, and I prop up pillows behind my back, and I do it my way. You know, it's like Nike had it right, just do it. Well, it's the same thing, just mm-hmm. do it. It doesn't matter how you do it, just do it. Die-hard meditation teachers absolutely hate that. But, you know, I don't think most of us are really cut out for that. I don't want to go to an ashram and wake up at 5.30 every morning and start chanting and meditating. There's nothing wrong with that, but it just didn't suit me or my lifestyle. So I do it my way. And, you know, sometimes I still go back to guided meditations and I still go back to meditation music and there's nothing wrong with it. What's more important is taking the action step to do it because for me – Meditation, it's, you know, one of my pillars. It's one of my action steps. And I have action steps in my life now to unwind and rewire my brain to keep me out of depression and anxiety-free since I'm not taking the meds anymore. So it's really important that mm-hmm. I do this every day. I think and I want to make the point that I'm not, I'm yeah. not anti-medicine or anti-doctor. I really like to make that clear because both saved my life. Well, and I think that that's I think that that's that's good that you said that because there's a there's a reason for a lot of things in our in our lives and balance is certainly part of that. Um, one of the things that my friend that that is very much into meditation and he's a, a former athlete um, is breathing, and mm-hmm. that is probably the, the the strongest thing that he is in, trying to instill in me is breathing that when he experiences me being anxious and I had quite a couple of last two weeks in my home and and understanding that breathing isn't just just below your throat but mm-hmm. to understand that you're breathing into this diaphragm that goes all the way down to your belly it's like what I didn't even know that was possible singers know it you know, musicians yes. know it Marcia didn't know it and so <laughs> You know, it's like, look at your shoulders. Let's look in the mirror together. Do you see what you're doing? Your shoulders, when you are breathing properly, should actually come down. It's almost a metaphor for the anxiety as it is. The shoulders come down the way you breathe. So do you find that breathing is really important in your meditation style? 
Yes. Um, I don't do the nostril breathing or any fancy breathing techniques. I just yes. become aware of how I'm breathing because what happens is when we get tense or stressed, the first thing we do is <gasps> we choke up, right? And we yeah, breathe really right. shallow. And really, I like our whole pelvis, I call it like there's, imagine there's a bowl, your pelvic bowl. That's where your first and second chakras are, and then your third chakra is above your belly button. And that's where all the really important stuff happens in our life. That's our survival skills, our soul work. And so you really want to breathe down into those areas and open that area up because that allows for the freedom of who you are to come forward and that's if anyone struggles with not knowing what they want to do with their life or what their life purpose is or feelings of inadequacy that's all happening down in those lower regions and so when we do deep full breathing that opens all of that up and it allows it to come forth and be heard and so again i just um, i don't do fancy breathing i just take deep breaths um, and I taught myself how to breathe in those regions. And um, if you just think about the lower part of your torso when you're breathing, you naturally give attention to those areas. Um, so it doesn't need to be super difficult. I always say mm -hmm. awareness is the first part of change, right? You can't change something mm -hmm. if you're not aware of it. So just having awareness um, that your whole body is listening to you, your whole body is carrying your pain, all of your cells um, can be activated um, just by the breath. And, I mean, how easy is that? And it's free. <laughs> I love that. You know, because we do have to breathe, and it's very interesting because I can't wait for him to listen to this show because what you've said is precisely what he has said about your one, your first and second chakras and that pelvic floor and that breathing. And while he may be sitting on a floor, um, you know, with his legs crossed and his arms, you know, on these blocks and eyes closed, and, and, and that's his way. And he's been doing this for quite some time as well. I've learned a great deal from him in regards to the value of that breathing. And um, so I'm, I'm really glad that we spoke about that. And But I'd also like to talk about just a little bit about that second pillar of yours, which is to nurture one's spirit. And I believe that you're big into journaling. Is that is that right? Uh, yes, and not by choice, but really, you know, as a survival tool, I fell into it. Um, and I have books and books and books that I've filled over the years. And I always say if my house caught on fire, that's the first thing I would grab besides, you know, my purse and my child is, is my journals because that is my life and my healing journey is contained in those pages. And it's you know, a part of me, really. It's almost like a living, breathing thing. It's my soul work is in those, is in those pages. And they're, they're so important to me. And I, I go back and read them periodically when I'm, um, feeling like I'm stuck or maybe that I didn't get over mm -hmm. a hurdle and I can go back and read, you know, just how far I've come. So, yes, journaling mm -hmm. is a really important tool for me. Absolutely. It, you have a great picture. Uh, I may just throw it into our, our, our blog at the end when, when we're through with our show of, of your books and your journals. And it's powerful. It's a powerful picture because for many of us, we, we all find our own ways, you know, 
I happen to be widowed, so I don't, I don't, I'm not bouncing conversations off with anybody in my home. And my husband was an engineer, so let me not understate the fact that, you know, he was an engineer, so they don't really talk anyway. I come but, from a family um, of engineers. Pos- I get it. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, yep. still the possibility was there. But I do think that journaling um, has has a value. For me, frankly, conversation is a very powerful tool for me, too. It helps me um, also communicate and, and get information. But sometimes you can get too many opinions. And the journaling is private. It's you and the paper or you and yeah. your computer screen. And I can see the advantage of just writing and not actually getting the input because sometimes input can, can be confusing. So um, I, I get the, the value of, of journaling. But you also, you also mentioned that um, diet is critically important as well, correct? Well, yes, we're in this physical vessel. um, And I don't want to say that our spirit is housed within our body because it doesn't really work that way. But, um, you know, we need to take care of this physical vessel we are given in this lifetime. And how can our body function if we're feeding it junk food and sugar and, you know, not eating well. And so um, when I came to the realization that I was feeding my body, you know, cigarettes, drugs, booze, and a whole lot of negativity, um, I really got on my knees and wept because Mm -hmm. it made me so sad that I was treating my body in that manner. And I really had to ask for the forgiveness of my body, which was a really powerful journaling experience I had. Um, but, you know, change, slowly changing my diet, shifting into eating only organic foods, looking at what I feed my vessel with. And, um, you know, it's, it's shocking when you go to a grocery store what's on the shelves. Um, I can really only shop at organic markets now or farmer's markets. I can't go into a regular store these days um, because it almost feels like I'm walking down the aisles of poison. And people say, oh, you're so, um, you know, stuck up or snooty about food. And it's like, um, no, I'm, I want to take good care of my body. And, you know, when I couldn't afford organic food, I found a way to do it. I um, looked at what was on sale, and I asked the produce guy, you know, what do you have that might be a little damaged, that, you know, if the skin is bruised but the meat is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can go to farmer's markets and get to know the farmers and go at the end of the farmer's market. They don't want to take all that food home. And so I would get good deals at the end of the day. So there are ways to eat organic that doesn't have to cost a lot. But, you know, your body is is absolutely worth it. So going through that process of really analyzing what was I trying to build my cells with, because when you're, um, in my case, trying to get over self-sabotaging behaviors and trying to get unmedicated off antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds, um, you know, you're in a really fragile state and you need to build your body up. And so I was really taking a closer look at 
what I was fueling myself with and why I was eating the things I was eating. And, um, yeah, I was really shocked. And so it's really vital to um, be kind to our body, um, and Mm -hmm. that's through what we put in it to fuel it. And if you're putting in things that aren't good for you, that's a really good journaling exercise right there is to write about, you know, what is this cake or what are these chips saying to me right now? Why are they screaming, eat me, right? And right. and look into that. Really good advice. Uh, the, the other two um pillars and we're not going to we're not going to talk about it on this this show, but um strengthening your body and finding your tribe are all included as part of your four pillars. For those people that are listening right now, and, and I will be putting this um on my blog as well. But for those that are listening, how can people find your book? Um, so Unmedicated is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, I always love to encourage people to support their local bookseller. And so if they don't yes. have it, you can ask for it. Um, I really hate to see small bookstores going out of business. It's just tremendously sad. And I feel Bad for the younger generation that doesn't get to experience what an old-fashioned bookstore feels like. So it's always nice to support them. Yes, you might have to wait a couple extra days to get it in, but um, it's worth it all Mm -hmm. around. I agree. And and just just for for the verification, because we're going to talk about Daily Home now, Mm -hmm. Unmedicated was not your first published book. You actually published two books prior to that, which was the Daily Home. And I would really like to spend this second half of our show speaking about that as well. So what motivated you to even start Daily Ohm? Um, well, it's uh, Scott and I were living in L.A. in the early 2000s, and I had a really successful aromatherapy products business. I was one of the first to pioneer um, having a soy wax candle using essential oils instead of fragrance oil. And then I had a line of essential oils and lotions and, you know, different kinds of aromatherapy products. And I really, I had a warehouse space in Hollywood and um, we blessed the space and all the products were blessed. And I thought, oh, you know, when people use my products, they're going to receive this blessing. And it was a really sweet gesture. Um, but I had this feeling that I just wanted to reach more people and in a more powerful way. Um, in the meantime, Scott was working in the music industry, and he was getting a little bit tired of commuting 45 minutes, you know, to go five miles in L.A., <laughs> as you know. Yes. And so he quit his job, and he came and started helping me with my business, and it was doing really well. But knowing him the way I do, he's a brainiac um, as well. Um, it wasn't long before he had this idea of um, how to reach more people. And so the idea of Daily Home was born. And eventually, within that year, I let my um, aromatherapy products business go, even though it was doing very well. But I couldn't do both, and I really wanted to dedicate myself to writing instead of making physical products. Um, I also wasn't really comfortable um, creating physical products that were adding to the landfill problem, and you know it's a shipping mm-hmm. nightmare. You know, bubble wrap and 
peanuts and boxes, and I just I wasn't comfortable with that. So I thought mm-hmm. having a digital product it was a you know it's a win win situation. And so that was 2004. Um, Daily Ohm was born really out of the desire if we can have people around the world reading these inspirational thoughts, you know, at the same time each morning or within the same day, um, raising the vibration of the planet and raising um, the consciousness of the people of the planet. That was really the ultimate goal. Um, And like any business, we started out really small with just a few readers and um, and grew from there. But, um, you know, the desire to help people, um, Right. And, yeah, that's the genesis of so it. So did the did the book was the was the book the beginning? Was that did the book at your first book actually published in two thousand and four? No, the book came in two thousand and eight out of requests from people. They'd say, "Oh, I print off my favorite daily home stories and I like keep I them in a binder. Right. Yeah, you should put them yeah. in a book." And I just kept getting so many emails, and so finally. Um, you know, nobody gets a big publisher with their first book, but Hay House, um, I went to Hay House and I said, you know, I've got a pretty big following now. Look at all of these emails I have from people wanting a book. And so they agreed to put out my first book. And what I did is I went through and I picked out my favorite stories, sort of in a few genres, nature, relationships, love, you know, really the things we all deal with, um, and that was the first book, and it still sells really well to this day. People really mm-hmm. love it. And in fact, the bamboo logo on the book, that used to be um, our daily home oh, yeah. logo before we changed it a few years ago. And so people really recognize mm-hmm. that. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's so funny with this book, people use it um, sort of as a divination tool. They'll be sitting and just, you know, um, close their eyes and meditate for a moment and then open the book to a page. And I get a lot of email from people saying, you know, I opened to the page and it's just what I needed to to hear at that moment. And so that's a really sort of sweet side effect of having the book out as well. And then you wrote a second one. Mm-hmm. So the second right. one is called Daily I'm Learning to Live. And um, again, it's... Um, more of my favorite daily home stories, but this one I mm-hmm. got more feedback from people and they wanted to hear a little bit more about my own story and my own, you know, mm. how I got to the point of writing some of those stories. And so there's a little bit um, of some personal anecdotes in the second book, um, which makes it different than the first. And so that was super exciting. I bet. I, I and do you? We had talked about um, um, meditation, and uh, on your website, which people can easily go to as well, uh, you have a we have a really beautiful website, and um, people just have to type in madisontaylor.com dot com, and they'll they'll get to your site, um, and they can see the the cover of your book too, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have CDs? Are you are you the speaker on the CDs yourself? Yes, um, I have a little wow. bit of a scratchy voice today, but I um, I have what's called a meditation voice when I record. I actually recorded the audio version of Unmedicated as well, but I have four no guided meditations out, and um, two of them actually charted on Billboard magazine and the number one spot, which 
Um, wow. For people that follow music, this is what all musicians, you hope to chart on Billboard magazine. And I charted, you know, I'm in the new, new age section because it's, you know, spoken word uh, meditation. But I charted mm-hmm. it in the number one spot for two of them. And then one of them, I think, charted in number three spot. And the fourth one, I don't know what happened to the fourth one. It didn't get on there, but it's still yeah. good, too. So. Still. I mean, that's, do you ever just kind of do an attaboy? Like, man, this is, <laughs> this is really cool what I've been able to do when I look at my, from where I was to where I am. You know, I, uh, well, I, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, sometimes, but most of the time I have what Michelle Obama and a lot of people have, and they call it imposter syndrome. And people that are super successful, you still think, oh, people are going to find out I'm a big old fraud one day. And so it's it's very common for people that are successful to continually wait for the other shoe to drop or to mm. feel unworthy. Um, but I think for me a lot of it, comes from always wanting to stay humble and to keep my ego in check because if my ego takes the reins or takes the driver's seat, then um, I can no longer be of service. And so, um, but yes, I definitely have those moments when I see the book, you know, my first book got to number three overall on Amazon, which is is huge and that's a great accomplishment. Um, But there's still always the doubting voice for sure. And I think... um, you know, there isn't a person on this planet that doesn't have that, that's successful. Absolutely. Um, I think if I didn't have it, I wouldn't need to be incarnated in a body. I'd be some bodhisattva super mass on the other side of the veil. <laughs> I wouldn't need to be in a body. So. That's <laughs> funny. But it's, but it's true. I, I think that like anything, you know, we, we have to sort of have that. We're sort of like with our hands out. We're sort of in the center and the left hand and the right hand. They're not always in perfect balance. I don't know that anybody is in perfect balance. Sometimes your right hand is just higher than your left hand. Or sometimes you feel like your left hand and your right hand have dropped below your waist. I know that's the kind of week I've, I've had for the last couple of weeks. And, and then you think, well, well, okay, but wait a minute. That, isn't, that doesn't even feel comfortable. I really do want to have my arms more in balance. And while I don't um, publish Daily Om, a practice that I started a long time ago in the scheme of things, because I am very much into social media like like many people that are out there in the public as opposed to the private, I post every morning something that I call the word today is. And... I'm I'm systematic in the way I do things. So I'm a I'm a spreadsheeter, you know. So I know that today was word number 763. I know that on the second column it's alpha so that I don't repeat my words and I I try to, to do a different word every day. Today's word happened to be agenda. When I first started doing this in Madison, I was just free, I was just expressing myself what I realized that I sort of moved away from expressions and I moved over into the world of people that are quotable. And Mm -hmm. frankly, you know, I I often hear myself say, you don't know what you don't know, because that's really the truth for all of us. I had no idea how brilliant Albert Einstein was. Mm 
I just thought he was a mad scientist with weird hair. <laughs> and I find myself, I really, that's all I, that's all I knew about him. And I find myself quoting him frequently because of how brilliant he can take the use of a word. And it, it may start the sentence or it may be five words into the sentence, but I find it very meaningful. So like you, I also have a daily process. And you never know when, when something that you've written really touches somebody else and they may make a comment. Like I said, I, um, I read your daily ohm. I, I happen to also like horoscopes, and so I personally receive my horoscope every day. I like to kind of check that out as well. That's for some people, not for others. But I know that there's a process that I go through in my daily routine. I would be curious to know because of how beautifully you write. That just doesn't happen in 10 minutes. Can you kind of take us through your process of how you do that? Yes. Um, It's interesting. uh, Way back when we first started it, um, you know, the stories were quite different. It took about six months to a year to get Daily Elm to look and feel the way it does now with what I write about. I used to write about, you know, natural beauty products and natural vacation destinations and all that. I didn't have my my groove yet, which is normal for any business. And so once mm-hmm. I found my groove, um, I really you know, started getting emails and fan mails from people. I started feeling this, like the weight of the world was on my shoulders to heal people. And I took it very seriously, and I was getting a big following, um, and it was freaking me out a bit. And so I went mm-hmm. into meditation and journaling where all good things happen. And the voice of Mother Mary came to me again. I'm not Catholic. She's just, she shows up for me, a beautiful healing spirit. Uh, and she said, you know, the, isn't your job to heal people, to to save people? That's my job. You know, and sort of that whisper in my ear. And I immediately felt so much better. But yet I was still overwhelmed with the volume of work, right? I still had to have five stories a week you know, 350 words each of, you know, Mm -hmm. some brilliant ideas. Um, And so it was really getting to me. And, oh, gosh, way back in the beginning, I read this book, and I can't remember the author's name, but it was called The Diamond Cutter. And he was this um, Buddhist monk that went to work in the Jewish Diamond District in downtown Manhattan. And he had this idea, he went to his boss and he said, you know, if I take one day off a week to meditate, um, I think I can improve my productivity here at work. Hmm. And it was a really interesting book and I decided to apply that concept to my own work. And I said, okay, every Tuesday I'm not going to the office. And I didn't pick Tuesday for any, I should make up a good story about that, but it was just Tuesday for (laughs) no good reason. (laughs) And um, so that wasn't the day you know, to have a hair appointment or go to the doctor or have tea with friends or run errands or go to the dry cleaner. It was a day to stay home and be with my journal and my altar and, you know, all of my accoutrements um, to really come up with five story ideas, um, you know, for my deadlines. And I started doing it, and I was just amazed when I took the time and the attention to give it the energy that it deserved, it no longer was a struggle. And when hmm. I let go and released 
um, there was no more struggle. But I also dedicated, so the universe would know I was serious about this work. I dedicated a day to getting these ideas. And so I would sort of, um, I had built myself a little altar, really simple, just, you know, a candle and some flowers, um, not much else, maybe some incense. And I would sit on a pillow in front of my little altar and just say a little prayer and meditate. And I'd have my notebook and my pencil right there. And, you know, this was before iPhones. And so I, everywhere I went, I'd have a notebook and a pen on my hikes, you know, by the toilet, by the bathtub, in my car, by the bed, just, you know, everywhere there was always a notebook. So I mm-hmm. never knew when inspiration would hit. Um, and so I would get these ideas from, from spirit. I would just hear the whisper in my ear and I would write it down. Sometimes I would only get one word, and those were the days where I'd just be like, you know, kind of giving universe the middle finger. It's like, really? You're giving me one word to work on? But (laughs) contained within that word, it was almost like the universe was in that word. So by the time I'd get to my computer to figure out what the story was with that word, it would come out of me in a flow. It was almost like they energized that word um, to contain all the elements I needed. Um, Sometimes I would get the whole story right there and then in front of my altar and I couldn't write fast enough. But more often than not, I would get about one or two sentences about, you know, the idea. And interestingly enough, sometimes I would hear the whisper in my ear and it would say, you know, go outside. And I'm like, what do you mean go outside? I'm sitting here at my <laughs> altar. And I'd go outside and I would hear the whisper or, you know, really, it's not so much like, you know, the, an entity is talking to me. It's just a feeling. And, mm-hmm. and I would mm-hmm. get the feeling to, you know, be directed, look down. And I'd look down and I'd see all these ants. And I'd just get so mad. It's like, why are you making me be outside looking at these ants? But then I would get it. And I would study these ants. And, you know, that's a story came out about ants, how they live in community, how they help each other, mm-hmm. how they all work together. And that became a daily Elm story. So um, really, instead of struggling and putting so much pressure on myself to be brilliant every day, what I had to do was just let go. And, you know, mm-hmm. there was a running joke with, with Scott, and I would say, oh, my God, my well is dry. I'm not going to be able to think of any more ideas. And he would just laugh at me because he knew, he knew that mm-hmm. universe would always provide and, and always has, um, you know, and some stories are lighter than other because, um, intense stories five days a week, it's, it's too much for people. So some lighter stories would come into play like, you know, turtle energy or, or writing about the rainfall, writing like a meditation about rainfall or, you know, something right. not so intense because it needs to be broken up a little bit. So, and I think people yeah. get from it what they want, and yes. um, and and I think that that's the brilliance of it. You the 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 title of the daily ohm might just be you know that doesn't really mm-hmm. appeal to me. I'm I, maybe I'm not going to read that one today, but maybe right, I will. Right. And and I think that you know every every single writing isn't going to be. Um, the exact appeal because you have a cross section of people of of gender mm-hmm. and ages and interests and whatever's going on in their own lives and I think that the appeal is that I don't think you're out to do anything but to just give us a thought. It's it's yeah. I, it is your thought of the day and so mm-hmm. I, I I appreciate knowing that you 
that you dedicate some time to doing that. So I, I couldn't imagine that you you get you write all these all each day because that would just you know there must be a day where you just set aside for writing. And I was kind of curious and 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 it's and you don't just have your thoughts. I mean, you offer a lot of online courses for people to take advantage of. You just launched something really big this last week, didn't you, with um, with a fitness <laughs> yes. program? Did you want to say yes. a little bit about that? So we just launched our first app, and it's called OMFIT, O-M-F-I-T, and it's available for Android and, and Apple users. And... Um, you know, so many of our online courses that were popular were fitness courses, and so we thought, well, that's a no-brainer. If our audience um, really loves fitness, let's make them an app. And for me, I mean, you know, it's, I talk about it in my book as well how moving our bodies is just so vital to our overall health, not only for our heart health but our spiritual health as well. So mm-hmm. our app um, is different than other apps, whereas you can change the music you want to work out to, and so that's our super secret sauce that nobody else has Mm -hmm. and it's really brilliant i don't know why nobody's done it before but we offer yoga um, cardio hip-hop pilates um, bar kettlebell cycling um, dance classes and hit which is high intensity interval training um, trampoline so there's about i think nine different disciplines um and people yeah so people already have their favorite trainers um, and it's hmm. getting rave reviews in the app store. So we're super excited about that because, like I said, um, you know, we do all these things for our mind, body, spirit, but moving our bodies is is really an important part of that as well. So, yeah, OMFIT. OMFIT, yeah, I mean, why, why not? Uh, right. And are you, so on top of all of that, I imagine that there are times when your mind is racing because of how productive you are. Do do you have another book out there on the horizon that you're thinking about writing? Um, You know, it's funny. I'm in a really interesting spot right now, and I always do this, where I... I go really inward, and it's not just because we're in winter. Before I have a new idea or that I want to bring out, I... I go really inward and I start questioning what's next. And I'm in Mm -hmm. that really fertile period right now where I can sort of almost grab it, but it's not quite come to my consciousness yet. Um, So it's a really fun place to be because I don't have the idea yet, but I really feel it lurking. Um, And so I don't know what it's going to be. Part of me secretly wants to write a book, um, like a home house lifestyle book about, you know, rituals Mm. and the space, like something very different, but also in alignment with um, how I live my life and bringing beauty. And I'm not talking so much about, you know, the, the physical beauty of our faces, but just uh, experiencing right. beauty every day and how can we do that in our homes and making a sanctuary. So it might be that, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It might be another app. I have another app um, it might be another app. So I don't know, I but I'm instead of hurrying the process and getting upset that the idea hasn't come to me, I'm really enjoying right. the creative space right now and letting it unfold because um I've never done that before and just saying sitting back and saying, "You know what? Let's just let this unfold naturally instead of pushing it or rushing it and no pressure. writing a business no plan about." It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. right. 
because no we pressure, put so much because, pressure on. Oh, you mean because you know you, as you said at the top of the hour, you're not just a businesswoman. There is a child that lives in your home. You do have a spouse. I think I even heard your cat. But yes. you have you you are you, which is great. I you you know your horses. Mm. I and and I'm 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 guessing that when you get on a horse that you just are taken to another place, aren't you? Well, horses are very grounding, and I mm-hmm. wasn't the lucky one that got to have a horse when I was a little girl. I didn't start riding until I was 35, which is much, much later in life. And then um, when I had my child, I was out of the saddle for many, many years, so I'm finally back in it again. And, you know, all of nature saved my life when I was so ill and so desperate. And um, horses, they're so naturally grounding because they have four giant hooves you know on the ground and how can they not Mm -hmm. be grounding but they're just so magical and intuitive and I don't even need to ride him I only ride him twice a week because I'm busy but um, just going to the barn and being with him and you know scooping poop and brushing him and Mm -hmm. um, being in his presence is is so magical and um, it's I just, um, you know, it's expensive to have a horse, but I really chalk it up to this is um important part of my um, mental well-being, and so I don't care how much it costs. It's um, mm-hmm. something I do for myself to to stay centered and to stay grounded because if I didn't have these tools that I've introduced into my life, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be able to be unmedicated and that's a choice you know I really wanted to make for myself is to live with a little more of a clear head and to not rely on pharmaceuticals to be happy and find happiness in these other ways and you know it was a long process which is why you know I wrote that book is to help other people so they don't have to suffer so much like I did but um, yeah my cat and mother nature mother earth the ocean um, horses. Mm-hmm. It's it's all an important part of my process for sure. It's really interesting what you said about horses. I had a guest on my show. I've been doing this almost four years, well over two years ago. Her name is Trina Hall. She has used horses to help people with severe eating disorders, including mm. herself. Yeah, and it was through. The horses and the, the intuitiveness and everything that you've just said, it just brought back that show right to my head, thinking about what she was doing to help um, people with eating disorders, whether it was just walking the horse, brushing the horse, yeah. just looking into the eyes of the horse, the gentleness, yet they're so large, and what it meant. You know, you can kind of, people think about that when it comes to dogs or maybe to cats. But, I mean, unless you've ever been around a horse, which I haven't, it would have never even occurred to me. And just hearing you talk about that, I should probably get re-in touch with her because maybe how is she doing two years later? I've had such remarkably interesting guests over all these years, and and some some of the things that my guests do that are inspiring, um, much like what Trina Hall has done and what you just discussed. You know, people might not have ever even thought about that, and that. That takes me back to the reason why I so much wanted you to be on my show, particularly as the first show of the year, because this is the time of year where where a lot of people 
set out by having some resolutions, how they're going to sleep better, eat better, exercise more, you know, mm. call their family more often, whatever it is that they think that they need to improve. And sometimes I think we don't give ourselves the credit for saying, but I am going to stay the course in the fact that I do do this yeah. and I and I do this well and I'm proud of things that I do and that I am making a contribution and that I do surround myself with positive people that are making changes and that I am grateful for my health, especially when you start hearing about people that have health issues. You know, so yeah, so my house had some pretty serious issues this over the two weeks that have gone on, but not anything I can't recover from. And I just think that the timeliness and just even speaking to you on the phone last week about, oh, my God, you aren't even going to believe what's going on in my house. You know, it's we all have issues. and Nobody's going right. to get through this without them. But when there are resources and tools, Madison, that, that you provide to the public, very simply, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this, that means you have some kind of electronics in your life whether you're on the Internet or, or you, uh, you follow me on my podcast. And it's so easy for people to follow me. Uh, for people that have an iPhone, po- the podcast app is embedded in our phones. You just have to type Born to Talk radio show, and then my podcast will download every week after the shows are over. For the Google people, I mean for the um, Android people, Google Play does the same thing. Some people follow follow me on Stitcher, you know, and then, of course, Blog Talk Radio, which is what I use to produce my shows. All of these platforms allow people a glimpse in, including all my old shows that are all on my website. When I was in the studio starting April of 2015, um, those were studio shows. And on my website, I've, I've included those there. That that show with Trina Hall, she was in the, she was in the studio with me. Um, so I really love what I'm doing, and I think what we share in common is that you really love what you're doing, and you're making a difference. And sometimes you can't even measure the difference that you're making because somebody's just reading something you've written, but they haven't left a comment, so you don't even know they've read it. But maybe what those words of wisdom, like I said, that alone one, or dealing with a breakup, or whatever might be going on in your personal life, um, your words are powerful, and um, I want to just thank you for the gift that you give to all of us. It, it means a great deal. Oh well, you know, right back at you. We need more warriors on the planet um, spreading the word to higher consciousness and you know people get their information in different ways um, through different um, bodies and you are one of them and so thank you for doing what you do so really wonderful to be with you absolutely it's really been a pleasure i i'm i'm glad to be part of your circle and i appreciate the work that you do and you know It's so interesting about what I do because people say, well, what do you talk about on your show? And I said, well, I don't talk about politics, all right? Mm. I don't talk about things that are controversial. I am an an inclusive person. What what brings us together 
humanity. How hard is it to smile at a stranger? How difficult maybe is it to keep a package of socks in your car or some water and and hand it to somebody that's hungry? Maybe you don't want to hand them five bucks. Maybe you just as soon hand them a, a, a thing of socks because, trust me, homeless people, they need socks. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and we spread the word that way. And, and next week I'm having a, 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 a police officer that started um, a nonprofit um, about, uh, about doing things that help the police officers. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, just, it's just marvelous. And, and it changes from week to week. The following week, I mean, my show is so eclectic. I just got to say this one more thing. I was in Florida with, with family. And we went to a bird sanctuary. I love birds, pelicans. I'm, I'm into these things. I love the birds. <laughs> and I met these phenomenal people at this bird sanctuary that, that rescue pelicans and they rescue vultures and all these other birds and bring them back to health. And they are in Tampa. And they're going to be on my, they're going to be on my show um, the third week of January. So I'm all over the place because What's your story is the essence of my show. And I've just truly appreciated you sharing your story with us today. And who knows, you know, maybe we'll visit again in six months and you'll be telling us about your new app. But whatever <laughs> you never know. You, do, you never know. But whatever it is that you do, Madison, I wish you the very best. And thank I just you. want to thank you so much for starting my new year out so well. And I'm going to play a little outgoing music for us to listen to. And I look forward to everyone joining me again next week with my guest, Ken Liu. Thanks so much, Madison. Thank you.